Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church, located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make him known. The Old Testament lesson for today is from 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. This can be found on page 332 of your Pew Bible. Having ascended to the throne of Israel, Solomon encounters God in a dream and asks God for wisdom to lead and govern the nation with justice. A reading from 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning with the first verse. Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people were sacrificing at the high places, however, because no house had yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of David, his father, only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or to come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil For who is able to govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall ever arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. 
And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Math has never been my strong suit. I remember when I was young, I would sit at the kitchen table at night and struggle with my times tables and get defeated when I attempted to do long division. And my mom would come up to me and say, you got this, Lauren. In fact, you need to know how to do this because when you're older, you're not going to be walking around with a calculator in your pocket. (laughs) Well, as it turns out, I pretty much always have a calculator in my pocket. And it's not just a calculator. I can connect with anyone, anywhere, at any time. I can get notifications in real time, delivering me news about what's going on in the world. And I have access to look up any answer to any question I have ever had. For instance, The other day after watching Top Gun, naturally, I wanted to know how many movies Tom Cruise has been in, and I was able to get that information in about 15 seconds. And if you're curious, I'll spare you the Google search. The answer is 56 movies. (laughs) But that is besides the point. Um, If you haven't picked it up already, I am talking about our cell phones. We have the entire world at our fingertips. Which, if you think about that, that is really an incredible thing. We have access to a plethora of knowledge, and we don't even need to rely on our brains anymore to keep that information. Which got me thinking. If we have access to more information than ever before, and we're seeing education at the highest rate we've ever seen in human history, why is the world still so messed up? You would think with all the Google searches and TED Talks and an emphasis on education, we wouldn't keep making awful decisions that negatively impact us and the people around us. So what's going on? Why aren't our college degrees and our smartphones fixing our issues? Where is the disconnect? Well, our scripture this morning gives us some insight on a critical missing piece of the puzzle that could be the answer to this question. This morning, we're picking up on our walk through the Bible, and King David has died. And now Solomon, his 10th son, is king over Israel. And listen to how the Bible describes Solomon. Picking up in verse 3, it says, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David, his father. We're going to pause right there because we are off to a great start. It says he loves the Lord, and he's walking in the statutes of his father David. 
which we know was a good king after God's heart. Unfortunately, the verse doesn't end there. The verse continues saying, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father, only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. Our listening ears can easily skip past this, but the tone completely shifts here. And this would have been detected by the original hearers of the story. The word only switches the tone of this verse. This is saying that Solomon made sacrifices and offerings to Yahweh, to God, at places of worship that had been dedicated to false gods, which God clearly instructed his people not to do. Solomon is introduced to us in this story as someone who loves the Lord, but also makes mistakes. Well, this doesn't apply to anyone here, so let's just say amen, pack up, see you guys next Sunday. (laughs) All right, clearly not true. Most of us could fill in this verse. I love the Lord only fill in the blank. Right away, we are introduced to this tension of loving the Lord and living with our sinful nature. As a student and family leader, I hear from students and adults who wrestle with this tension all the time. How can I love God and still do all these things that I know are bad for me? And usually the question trails to, well, does God even want to talk to me or use me in any way? Because now I have all this baggage. And what I love about today's text is it once again shows us that God doesn't just appear to those who have it all together. Because if he did, the Bible would just be one long dialogue between Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father because everyone else has fallen short because we're all human. We see Solomon in this story as a flawed human being. And he's going to continue to keep messing it up. And God is going to continue to keep using him, which is what we're going to be talking about throughout the next few weeks. Despite our humanity and our mistakes, God meets us. And in fact, we learn in our text today that he wants to bestow on us blessing after blessing. So let's see how God meets Solomon. Picking up in verse 5, it says, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God asked, God said, Ask what I shall give you. Whoa. This is incredible. Now, if I was Solomon here, God would have a whole list of requests of all the things that I would like to change in my life by the time that conversation was done. But if God said to you, he would give you anything you asked for, what would that be? What would you ask for? 
the safety and health of your family, healing brokenness in your relationships, the security of a stable job. All these things are good things. And God wants us to have good things in our lives. But interestingly enough, Solomon only asks for one thing. And that one thing is the missing piece that we've been looking for. So let's take a look together at what Solomon asked for, continuing in verse 7. It says, And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I, must, I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? An understanding mind. Not for himself, but to govern God's people. Solomon is humbly going before God, even referring to himself as a little child when he is a grown man, and saying to God, God, I can't do this without you. I don't even know how to go out or come in. I don't know how to do any of this. And I need you. I need your wisdom. This is the missing piece the world so desperately needs. Imagine what the world would look like if everyone had an understanding mind and was able to discern between good and evil. This sounds incredible when we think of it as a big picture thing. Everyone would listen to one another, there'd be no conflict, we're fighting, the whole world would be united. You know, oftentimes when we think of the whole world uniting and having an understanding mind, having wisdom, we think that means that everyone else will finally straighten themselves out. But Solomon's not asking God for his people to clean their act up. The wisdom that he's asking for, it's not looking out at the world and having the insight to tell everyone else how to behave. It actually starts here, with me. The wisdom we are talking about is godly wisdom, not worldly wisdom. And there's a big difference between the two. So what's, what's the difference? Worldly wisdom says to pursue your own personal desires and follow your heart. Well, godly wisdom tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things. Worldly wisdom says that seeing is believing. Well, godly wisdom tells us in John that blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Worldly wisdom tells us to hate those who betray us. Godly wisdom tells us 
in Matthew to not only love our enemies, but to bless our enemies. Godly wisdom isn't easy. And sometimes it seems like worldly wisdom is way more fun some days. Hating my enemies seems so much easier and honestly, some days funner than loving and blessing them. Godly wisdom doesn't look at the world and say, how messed up is this? It looks at our own hearts, our own selves, and acknowledges that we need God's help here. Just like Solomon, we humbly go before God and say, God, I can't do this without you. Godly wisdom requires us to do things that are not considered wise in the earthly sense. Using worldly wisdom, the cross doesn't make sense. God sending his only son to die for us, then to have his name be mocked and to have some of his children turn their back on him, none of us would make that deal. None of us would make that sacrifice. But looking at the cross with godly wisdom, it makes sense that God sent his son to die for us so that we could be with him. No matter what people would say about God or our sinful ways taking us away from him, it was worth it to have a chance to have a relationship with his children, with us. Not only does he want a relationship with us, he wants to bless us with his wisdom and so much more. So let's see together how God responds to Solomon's request for wisdom. Picking up in verse 11, it says, And God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. God blesses Solomon with wisdom. And the text continues to say that he is blessed with things that he didn't ask for. Riches and honor and the things that worldly wisdom would tell us to ask for. I always think it's funny how God works, and I've seen this in my own life and in the stories you all have told me. When we actively pursue God and his wisdom, we are blessed with more than we could ever imagine. How beautiful is that? That we have a God who, despite our flaws, wants to shower us with good things. While this is a wonderful image of Solomon being blessed by God, I'm aware that 
most of our stories don't look like Solomon's story. Most of our stories include months and years of praying, asking God for something, and not understanding why he won't give us what we're praying for. You know what we need in situations like that? Godly wisdom. While we don't always understand why our prayers aren't immediately answered, we can pray to God for God to open up our hearts to hear his voice first, to give us wisdom to show us something we are not seeing, to drown out what the world tells us to cling on to and cling on to who God is. To understand that we don't have control, that we are so desperately seeking, and that our loving God is in control. Have you been seeking worldly wisdom when you should be seeking godly wisdom? Listen to these words from James. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. God gives us his wisdom generously to all those who ask for it. As we approach our communion table this morning, let's walk up asking God for wisdom in our situations, in our lives, in our world. Our loving Father, who sacrificed his Son for you and for me, wants to bless you with his wisdom and so much more. Amen. Amen. To learn more about the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.